0: All things
1: New Orleans Saints. This is Who dat Discussion.
0: Who dat? Say they
1: be Powered by Overtime Media. What is up, who dat Nation? Welcome into another all-season edition here at the Who dat Discussion. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Galata. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Galata. And then also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at the Dis. We have another really special episode in store for you guys today, as I would like to welcome our guest for this episode. He's an analyst for the Saints News Network on SI.com and broadcaster for the Big South Conference on ESPN, Brendan Boylan. How are you doing, Brendan? I'm great.
0: I'm so excited to be here, uh, talk some New Orleans Saints offseason. And of course, we had some breaking news Uh, a little bit this morning that we're going to be going over as well.
1: Yeah, I think for sure. I think we should just get right into it because this is, I I would say, a jam-packed episode. So starting off with some news, Malcolm Jenkins went on CNN this morning as he's obviously a new contributor, and they were talking about if the NFL is going to be able to play and if he'd be comfortable playing. And then he said right now he wouldn't feel comfortable playing and the risk has to be eliminated because what he was talking about was like the NBA, they're kind of in a bubble and the NFL really can't do that. So I thought that was really interesting, especially with Adam Schefter having a source saying that the NFL is definitely going to play. They have a lot of safety precautions in place. So Brendan, what do you think of what Jenkins said? And do you think the NFL is going to play? Do you think they're going to start on time? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I
0: think what Jenkins said is absolutely right. You know, quote, the, the risk has to be eliminated before I would feel comfortable going back and quote, Uh, and he brought up the NBA in that bubble, like you said, and the the thing about that to me is that the NBA, all of a sudden, there's been multiple reports saying that they're less and less comfortable going to Orlando because of the spike in numbers down there. That's even being in the bubble, and you look at other sports across the world that have all of a sudden restarted a little bit. You look at uh, the Korean Baseball Organization, uh, the Chinese Basketball Association, and Uh, The way that those countries have handled the virus uh, allowed these guys to be able to come back and play within these bubbles. But to your point, the NFL is going to have a lot uh, more difficult of a time trying to do that with the teams being so spread out. And of course, baseball is trying to come back uh, as well. But honestly, the thing with the NFL is we're hearing different things every day. It seems like we're playing jump rope with whether we're playing or not, whether training camp's going to start on time, whether uh, the preseason's going to happen. Of course, the preseason, uh, the Hall of Fame game, uh, was canceled early this morning as well. So there's just a lot going on. And I think because of that, Malcolm Jenkins goes on CNN today and says, you know what, I'm not really comfortable because we don't know either. Uh, And because of that, I don't foresee the NFL having a lot of success in starting things on time or starting things as planned because you're going to have plenty of uh, kickback from the league, kickback from the team saying, we didn't have enough time to prepare for this season. Look, we're supposed to be starting training camp in roughly a month, and there's no guarantee that's going to happen. So how are you about to ask these guys to – put their bodies on the line for 16 games, uh, plus the playoffs, and honestly, have they been able to condition to the best of their abilities? Have they been able to go through their playbooks, learn uh, everything about a new team and new organization if it's their first year with the team, or even for guys returning, there's so many different things that go into every single offseason that uh, if this year gets played, it's going to be really interesting but I think we really have to focus on can we even get this year in I think the NFL has got a better chance to do it than say college football because at least with 30 teams you're able to contain it a little bit more in terms of travel and where guys are going to where at the collegiate level it's going to be almost impossible with kids having to go to class and go back to their dorm rooms and this and that but if the NFL season gets played you're not going to just see some, some good safety precautions, you're going to see a boatload of safety precautions and some that players may not be okay with. And you look at, again, the NBA in Orlando and some players opting to not play because of the conditions in which they're going to have to.
1: No, yeah, for sure. And that's something that's going to be really interesting, um, looking at how the NBA plays and if the MLB plays, because that is the one thing that the NFL has and the luxury of that is that they do have some time here to see what the other leagues do. Because I think that's really important to see, okay, well, the MLB, it seems like they're not going to have like a bubble like the NBA is. So maybe the NFL is going to be able to learn from them. If they make mistakes, they can mitigate those mistakes in September, which I think the NFL does have their advantage to. But it is going to be really interesting because Malcolm Jenkins does have a, a very valid point. I mean, look, all these guys have families. They don't want to bring the virus back to their families. Some people live with their parents that are older or maybe uh, little kids that could be a little more susceptible, uh, susceptible, excuse me there. And I do see that risk. And what the NFL is trying to do is really test everybody every day. And that would obviously be a huge step in the right direction, because if you can test a player every day, you can almost create that bubble within 32 teams. So I could definitely see something on the lines of that. If they're testing every day, testing for antibodies, And also something the NBA was doing, which I thought was really cool, is that they have like basically smart rings that the players wear and they basically track all their health vitals and it could um, predict if a player is coming down with the symptoms of COVID. So I could definitely uh, see something like that being introduced in the NFL. It's just going to be really interesting. And to your point, what you said about how the offseason's been trimmed and you have new players coming on, like I don't know if you're going to be able to play all four preseason games and especially scheduled at the time that they are. I mean, players coming in here only going to have two weeks with their teammates for training camp before a game start. Like, that's how guys get hurt. And to me, you're coming in here, maybe the first two preseason games will be canceled, So and then you only have two. I don't know. That seems also a little questionable as well. So again, I think we're going to have to see... And um, I I do think that they're going to end up playing a season. Now, maybe they're going to back it up a few weeks, but I I do think that the NFL, they can't really go without playing a season. I think it's the same with the MLB. It's just, it's very, very bad PR. And that's just my opinion there. And uh, I do think it's really interesting.
0: Well, I think what you said, uh, two things that you said that that were really interesting there was uh, the smart rings that are being introduced in the NBA. That was actually something that got taken by the Chinese Basketball Association with their players having an app, and they have to take their temperature anytime they leave um, the facilities and track where they go. So if they were to come down with it, the app will tell them, well, they've been in contact with this player or this trainer or this coach here, here, and here, who else was in this uh, vicinity, and so forth. So it's an interesting idea, but it is almost a violation of privacy, Mm -hmm. so I could understand why players would be hesitant uh, to go that route. And so what you said with the, with the season, um, it's going to be tough. They do have, like you said, the biggest advantage because they're going to be able to see how things get played out between Major League Baseball and the NBA. But the idea that we could even have fans in the seats is still one that I can't even get behind. And a lot of that is just because you're seeing these massive spikes with the virus in Florida California had one of the biggest spikes. You're seeing states uh, all of a sudden go back phases or even making face masks mandatory. Right. So I could not see going from where we are today, uh, June 25th, 2020, with the precautions that have been put in place by certain states, with how some states have backed up to say, you know what, we, we can have even the proposed ten to 13,000 people in the stands I just can't see that happening. Um, it's going to be a problem across the board, fans, media. Who's allowed, who's not, and when is this going to get back to normal? I know that's the question for everybody, but I'm, I'm with Malcolm Jenkins here saying it's a risk, and, and you don't want to put yourself or your family at risk to play a game. And I know people don't like to hear that, but at the end of the day, it's a game. We love it. That's why we have jobs in the industry. That's why we follow the sport. That's uh, why we're fans. But at the end of the day, it's a game. And if we can't play the game safely, then then at the end of the day, we just can't do it. As much as we want to see it, there's going to have to be uh, radical changes over the next couple of months just to get to a position where not only... The players feel comfortable, uh, but the coaches feel comfortable. The front offices feel comfortable and et cetera, cetera. You
1: No, know, Yeah, for sure. I think you can only put in so many precautions. And again, we'll kind of have to see how this kind of plays out. I think that the NFL, they're going to do anything in their ability to really get the season going. And you were talking about college football. I, I think that that season's much more in jeopardy than the NFL, just because the NFL is a pros, and the college, look, they they gotta abide by their college's rules, and who knows if even colleges will be back in session next year, so it's, it's all gonna be very, very interesting, and look, only time will tell, but my opinion is that at the end of the day, I think that the NFL will play, I, I don't know if it's gonna be in September, I, I think they may have to back it up maybe a month, maybe they start a little later just to have some more time, get those precautions in place, but then again, then you may run into a second wave, which is just another Conversation that you may have to have, it's going to be very interesting. So, again, this may be a little of a Debbie Downer of a topic because, again, you have players coming out against playing and restarting. But I am positive that the that the league will eventually restart and um, play a season.
0: Yeah, uh, just final thought on it is what you said earlier. They can't afford it, uh, and at the end of the day, we said it's a game; it's a business as well. Uh, as a business, the NFL can't afford to take a year off. Um, You said college football is going to be much more difficult. Who knows uh, amongst states? Are states going to be open or allowing students to come back? Uh, You know, some states in the NFL have said they don't want to host large events until 2021. So uh, the next couple months will be interesting. And I agree with you, Andrew. There will be an NFL season. It's just a matter of when are we going to have it and to what capacity are we allowing fans and media. And uh, external people, for lack of a better term, into these stadiums.
1: No, yeah, completely agree. And like, it wouldn't bother me to have no fans. I mean, if you're playing the games, you're playing the games. To me, that would be a huge step in the right direction. And again, it would obviously be a loss, especially for a team like the Saints, where obviously the home field advantage is extremely important. But at least they'll be playing games, and at least out on the field. And again, I think the Saints have a good enough team to overcome that. But it is going to be very interesting, and I'm just really excited or interested to really see what happens with the training camps and if they're going to start on time or they're going to preseason games backed up, or we're only going to have two preseason games. And I just thought that was really interesting too, because you said the hall of fame game was canceled and that's just really step one and giving guys only two weeks with their teammates, especially new players to get everything sorted out, then going on the field. That is also a little questionable too.
0: No, oh, absolutely. And, and you're seeing some guys try to work out together um, separately, you know, you saw Drew Brees and Emmanuel Sanders get some work in the other day, but as you said, two weeks is just not enough time. It, it just simply isn't.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I, I was hearing that maybe they're going to cancel the first two preseason games and then you have a full month of training camp. Maybe that's something that's a little more applicable for the team and something that could, you can bring guys together and, and, and then you don't have to play another team. So that's also with the safety, at least you will only be with your team and practicing with your guys. And then you can get comfortable um, for those next two weeks. And then you play two last preseason games. So that could also be an interesting plan that the NFL implements. But before we get into our overview of the defense and kind of recapping what the Saints did this offseason, we are going to take a quick break. You are listening to the Who Discussion podcast. Welcome back into the Who Discussion. I'm joined by Brendan Boylan of saints news network on si.com we were just talking about malcolm jenkins saying that he wouldn't feel comfortable playing football right now and that risk has to be eliminated but now we are going to get into our recap and overview of the saints defense kind of now move into just some saints talk and to get excited for the season to start here so the saints obviously did a lot on the defense to improve i feel like this offseason they added malcolm jenkins they drafted Zach Bond, who I think will be very interesting. And really what I want to talk about is how can the Saints improve in 2020, make that next step? They were really like an above average defense. They weren't in the top 10, but they were between like 10 and 15. So we're really going to talk about how can the Saints make those next steps? What is the impact that the Saints new players will bring? And uh, how will that new personnel affect the team and what the team's able to do here? So I wanted to start off here with the linebacker position and with the Saints adding Zach Bond and then subtracting A.J. Klein, So, Brendan, what do you think that Zach Bond will bring to the Saints that may be different than A.J. Klein? and uh, what's your kind of thoughts on the linebacker position?
0: Well, I think for Bond, one of the most unique qualities to his game is how versatile he is, uh, playing a lot on the edge in college at Wisconsin, but is a guy who can also drop back in coverage. And he talked to the media shortly after being drafted by the Saints in April and said, quote, I obviously am the most comfortable on the edge. That's where I spent all my time in college, but I really consider myself a linebacker that can do a lot of different things. And I think my versatility is my biggest attribute and my biggest asset. I played outside linebacker, mostly on the line. I got to do a lot of things in college, rushed to the passer and dropped into coverage, end quote. So, I think Bond talking about himself uh, just describes himself perfectly if you watch it on film. He's mm-hmm. super quick, um, has the ability to come off the edge, which could certainly help the Saints in some third-down situations, but I expect the Saints to try to bump him inside and play alongside Demario Davis now with the different coverages uh, and formations that the Saints have defensively and the abundance of versatile safeties as well. You might not see Bond on the field a whole lot as he makes that transition, but certainly a guy that could play a couple different spots for you, and he's not going to be a guy who's just strictly coming off the edge and getting to the quarterback. So I think Bond and that pick, a guy who was a late first round, early second round grade for a lot of people, for the Saints to be able to get him, uh, where they did was an absolute steal. And remember, he had a diluted test at the Combine, and that might have hurt his draft stock a little bit. But this is a really high-character kid from from everything that we're hearing uh, at SI. And I think he's just excited to get in uh, to the Saints faci- uh, facility mm-hmm. and get some things going. He said, there is isn't any other place I'd rather be after being drafted uh, that Friday night. So Bond's going to be an excellent fit for New Orleans. And I know linebacker was a big position uh, of need for New Orleans. I know a lot of fans were hoping the Saints would go, maybe Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen there in the first round. Obviously, they shocked a lot of people at the time and took Caesar Ruiz. But I want some Saints fans to take a step back and look at the different linebackers on this roster because you quickly forget behind Mario Davis, who was playing at an all-pro level last season, you do have Kiko Alonso. Yes, coming off an ACL tear, but a guy who has dealt with some ACL injuries before, and when you're able to do that, you know how rehab works. You're able to come back a little bit quicker, and Alonso didn't get a lot of credit for how well he played for the Saints last season you also have to look at a guy like Alex Anzalone who blew people away mm-hmm. in camp and in the preseason his rookie year then he gets hurt then he comes back and he gets hurt and yes that was a huge knock on him when he was coming out of the University of Florida and he, he banged up uh, the same shoulder last year that he had banged up while he was at Florida but Anzalone's a guy if he could ever put 16 games together for the Saints He's going to be a huge difference maker uh, at that linebacking position, and then I know Craig Robertson. He's been more of a more of a special teams leader, but a guy who has certainly proved he can go and play middle linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. So when you look at those linebacking positions, while maybe the immediate thought is, well, the Saints are thin there. I think the Saints actually have a lot of depth there. It's just about guys staying healthy. And then you add a guy like Bond who is going to be able to have some time to make that transition and this defense be able to figure out where he's utilized best. I think the linebackers are actually in good shape. and I'm just really crossing my fingers and hoping Alex Anzalone is able to stay healthy this year because he's a he's a heck of a ball player
1: yeah, I completely agree about the main thing with the Saints linebacking group. It's health. I mean, if all these guys stay healthy, there's really no need for Zach Bond. But as we know, you have Andaloni, who's had injury problems. Kiko Alonso has injury problems. And you would really like a fourth linebacker in there that you know is going to be there and is reliable. And Bond is that guy. And he could definitely play inside. He showed it at the uh, Senior Bowl that he was able to play inside at a pretty high level. And... You're obviously, going to see him progress hopefully more and more. And I think the big vision with Bond here is look, if the Saints are healthy and they're coming in with Anzalone and Alonso healthy, obviously with Demario Davis as well, I think then you're going to see Bond also be a pass rusher off the edge. And then you'll kind of see him a little more live there in his first year. But if there are injuries, he'll step in and play inside with Demario Davis. And again, that versatility is just huge. And I think that's what sets him apart. From A.J. Klein, who the Saints um, had last year in really Bond's same position, because Klein was obviously just kind of a traditional linebacker, 6'1", 240, and you look at Bond, who's also uh, 240 pounds, but 6'3", so they're kind of built similar as well, and so I think Bond could definitely play Klein's position, but then also he adds that edge rusher ability as well, and I'm just really, really excited to see that on display, And again, I agree with you. I think the Saints, a lot of people were saying this is a weak spot for the team. I think right now, this is a very, very strong group. And I think last year, they were a really strong group as well. And obviously, led by DeMario Davis, I think just, again, I think sky's the limit, especially if they stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and when you talk and and touch on AJ Klein, one of the biggest knocks on him is sideline to sideline speed was not great. He wasn't great in coverage, either when you bring in a guy who's as athletic as Bond, even if his coverage skills aren't great, he can cover some of that up with his athletic ability and obviously learn the position. It sounds like Sean Payton is expecting him to be at the mic or mm-hmm. uh, the strong side linebacker position. I think the strong side position makes a little bit more sense with how athletic he is. And of course, you're able to play around with that same position and, and line them up in some different places. We've seen how unique the Saints have been in kind of disguising some coverage with loading the box with different linebackers and sending some towards the quarterback, sending some back. Uh, Some of my favorite over the years has been they'll have seven guys in the box all standing up. Uh, (laughs) No lineman has his hand in the dirt. So as an offensive lineman, it is hard to communicate and say, well, if this guy's coming, who do we pick up here? Who do we pick up there? Uh, And it's a lot on that center to communicate with the whole line along with his quarterback. So we've seen the Saints get creative there. I'm expecting them to get creative, not just with Bond in third down situations, but Bond in general. Like you said, if guys are healthy, it's going to just help Bond because the Saints are going to be able to, to play with a new toy, perhaps. They're going to be able to open up the Christmas gift. They're going to be able to play around with it on Christmas Day a little bit, and then see what it can do day after day after day after day, opposed to just trying to throw it in there and make it do one thing.
1: No, yeah, completely agree there. And when looking at Bond and his vision, it kind of reminds me of what the Saints were trying to do last year with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Obviously, different position, but he was kind of that depth guy, and if people stayed healthy, he was going to be kind of that joker player that would play all over for the Saints and really be a match of <laughs> nightmare for defenses. And then if players got hurt, he would come in. and He's a very solid safety and can do that too. So I can definitely see that vision for Bond as well, and kind of a player that look if he's if everyone's healthy, that's great, and then he can have kind of a joker role, do a lot of different things for the Saints, be creative, as you said. And then if if not everyone's healthy, then he could at least he could play that standard position, and hopefully with his athleticism and speed, he can excel there as well. So again, I do think that the Saints linebacker group is looking. Pretty solid here for 2020. And now I do want to move over to the secondary because there was a lot of movement, not only this off season there, but also at the end of last season as they added Janoris Jenkins and they kept him for the 2020, 2020 season. Excuse me. Um, they also re-signed P.J. Williams and they got rid of Eli Apple. So I guess we'll start off with the cornerback position. What can Janoris Jenkins, in your opinion, do differently than Eli Apple? And how will he help the Saints defense as a whole take that next step? Well, oh man, the jackrabbit, right?
0: Uh, Janoris Jenkins falls to the Saints and in, in a really weird way, uh, obviously was cut from the New York Giants for a tweet that he chose mm-hmm. or tweet or comments he didn't apologize for. And you know, that you just can't use some of that language and terminology in, in 2020. And he wasn't willing to apologize oh, for it and said it's just a part of how he grew up, and that was kind of the lingo. That they used anyway. He ends up going to New Orleans, and at the time, I thought New Orleans was getting quite a steal. And it took him some time to find his way with with a new system. But the Saints restructured his contract in 2020, and they're showing a lot of belief that he's going to be able to play opposite of Marshawn Lattimore, which is only going to help. A lot of people were not thrilled with Lattimore. Uh, in his play over the last two seasons after having an incredible rookie year where he came away with five interceptions. But here's the thing that people have to remember, and I remember people having this argument with um, with Revis back in the day as well before he went to Tampa Bay and just completely fell off, Mm -hmm. was people were saying, well, his numbers aren't there. He's not looking like the same guy. And I said, well, if you really break down the film and you do film studies, it's not that his production – has fell, it's the fact that he is such a respected corner in the league that people aren't throwing his way as much, and that happened with Lattimore very rapidly. And then you were able to pick on Eli Apple a little bit more, who had a really strong 2018, and then 2019 really struggled as he became kind of the targeted guy on the defense. And so after Apple's play decreased, you saw Marshawn Lattimore's numbers go down. But now that you bring in a guy like Janoris Jenkins, who's known as a defensive back who can take the football away, you're going to be able to balance some things out now. And your quarterbacks are going to have to make that decision. Are we going to throw Jenkins away? Are we going to throw Lattimore's way? What do we want to do? Who's the guy we want to target? And all of a sudden becomes not that easy. So the addition of Jenkins giving him more time Uh, in the Saints locker room, in the facilities. Well, maybe not the facilities with everything that's going on, but the the more that he gets comfortable in that spot, the better it's going to be not just for him, but for Lattimore, because Lattimore is going to be able to display his one-on-one coverage skills, uh, how well he reads the ball a little bit more, and that's going to create more turnovers. And while the Saints were uh, essentially an average defense last year, the turnovers is what makes and breaks these teams over the years. I hate the comparisons all the time going back to 2009 in the Super Bowl team and saying, well, look at them. They were you know, in the 20s in total defense, but they had this many takeaways and they were so great. It's like, yes, of course, the more possessions you steal, the better. I mean, just it just makes sense. The more you can have the ball in Drew Brees' hands, the better. The more points you can score – the better, but you can't look back and try to replicate that year in and year out. The Saints defense is super unique and such a different defense than the 2009 defense, and you look what they've been building since 2017 and the swagger and the unity of that defense uh, for Jenkins to kind of come in and be accepted very quickly, I think that speaks volumes. Now, you brought up P.J. Williams, Uh, who also re-signs. Patrick Robinson also restructured his contract Mm -hmm. in the offseason. And there's been a lot of question marks about, well, who's the Saints' third corner? And I don't think it's PJ. And I don't think it's P-Rob. And it came up in some of these conference calls as of late with different positional coaches. And I actually think it's Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. And that was a big question when, when Malcolm Jenkins signed. It was like, well, Malcolm Jenkins is here, and you have Marcus Williams, who both can, can play the free safety role. So what happens to Gardner Johnson, or who, who ends up being benched? And I said, I don't think anybody gets benched. You, mm-hmm. you said it perfectly, Andrew. You read my mind when we were talking about Zach Bond. You said, well, we can compare to Gardner Johnson and being in that Joker role. Well, with all the depth the Saints have back there at safety, I think Gardner-Johnson's going to be able to play as a third corner and play as almost a third safety game in and game out and stay on the field. So I look at the Saints' corners, and that's a huge concern for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But not the depth per se, but the talent in that depth. And I'm not a huge fan of P.J. Williams' play, but I do think he is better than some of the criticism that he gets. Let's not forget Williams was a projected first-round pick, mm-hmm. got in some trouble at Florida State and falls to the Saints in the third round, and then has two years of concussions. Yeah. And for a little bit there, we didn't even know if he was going to play football again. Yeah, But he comes back, he plays well, and uh, for the Saints bringing him back, knowing a guy that's a guy that has experience in your system, knows the system, it makes a lot of sense. But what Gardner Johnson was able to do in terms of forcing turnovers last year, uh, being a player that was just all over the field, he's a perfect fit for your number three corner spot.
1: No, yeah, completely agree with um, a lot of that stuff. Going back to Janoris Jenkins just real quick, and I think that he's going to be a guy with Lattimore, as you were saying. like. The, the Saints are going to be able to play a lot more man coverage, which is going to help the whole defense. Like, M- a lot more, you said that his ball skill is obviously really good. Janoris Jenkins, they don't call him the Jackrabbit for no reason. He obviously is known for getting the ball, and he's a very, very good uh, man coverage type guy. And you have those two guys there, and then that's going to allow the defense to do a lot more creative things. And the Saints had to play a lot of zone last year because they had to give help to Eli Apple. And plain and simple, when that happens, that was definitely kind of a crutch for the Saints. And then they brought in Janoris Jenkins. And I thought Janoris Jenkins really played well, especially in that wildcard game to the Vikings, because Lahan kind of had an up and down game. And really the Saints found their rock there with Jenkins, who guarded Diggs, I believe, in that game. And Diggs only had like two catches. So to me, I thought that was just a really good game. And you're hoping you can get more of that this year. And so I'm really confident about those first two guys. And then you go into the third cornerback, as you said, it is kind of a hole for the team. Now they have P.J. Williams, and I think P.J. Williams in the slot is actually really solid. I, I mean, I think a lot of people give him flack, and I don't. I think that's unnecessary because I think he could play the slot at a starter level, but when you have Garner Johnson, I, I think that you can kind of use both of these guys in the slot. Let's say Garner Johnson's better against some certain, certain players. You could put Garner Johnson there. Let's say P.J. Williams is better against some other guys. Then you could put P.J. Williams there. And then also you have Malcolm Jenkins, who's also pretty good in coverage as well. So that's slot to me. And then also you have Patrick Robinson there. So I think the slot, you have a ton of depth. It's that outside corner depth that you're looking at. And again, you have PJ Williams, who when he plays on the outside, we've seen a dip in play and Patrick Robinson kind of the same. And that's kind of where the Saints question is. And we're going to see if they're going to fill it. There are some fan questions we're going to get into later about the third cornerback slot. So I can't wait to get into those as well. But that's just kind of what I'm thinking for the Saints. I think when your first two corners are there, it's probably going to be a really solid group. If someone gets hurt, you may be in a little trouble there. Yeah, I agree. And and to your point with being
0: able to have Gardner Johnson and Williams play that slot spot, the the one thing that I love about both of them is they're very big Mm -hmm. guys to to play in the defensive backfield. They have a lot of size, uh, whether that is playing at the corner spot. Remember, P.J. can play safety. As well, So you have two guys that are kind of plug-and-play wherever you want them to be. You can have both on the field. One can cover the slot. One can cover a big tight end, and the Saints are going to, to be up against Gronkowski twice a year. Exactly. Uh, the tight end spot has become uh, such a important part of offenses over the last decade. So having a bigger corner slash safety to be able to come in and, and go against those guys one-on-one Uh, throughout the course of the game is going to be huge. And you have two guys that are plug and play on your roster for that.
1: Completely agree there. And I want to kind of transition now into the safeties, because as we were talking about, they did add Malcolm Jenkins, and they obviously have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Williams. But they did get rid of Von Bell, who was pretty solid last year for the Saints. A lot of people wanted the Saints to keep him. They're like, Von Bell's a younger player. And a lot of people thought he'd get paid. He only got three years, $18 million. The Saints give a bigger contract to Malcolm Jenkins. And I think the safety position is another position that's in really good hands for the Saints. I was saying it in a few episodes ago when I was doing the in-depth breakdown of this group, of this group, excuse me. And it seems like they just have so much depth. It's kind of like you have a player that can do everything. And it doesn't really mind for me that the Saints got rid of Von Bell, just because Von Bell, like, he was a great player, solid, strong safety. He was a little bit younger, and he was really good against the run and tackling. Like, that was definitely his strength. He was good in coverage, but just wasn't great. I mean, I would say he's solid, average to solid. And then when you bring in Jenkins, whose specialty is playing past defense, really getting guys in good positions to make plays, and he's gonna probably be the quarterback of that secondary, and all his knowledge, and that's what a lot of Saints coaches were saying, He just has so much knowledge. He knows about the game. He's playing games within the game. And again, I think Malcolm Jenkins, his strength being in the pass defense, and I I think the Saints really are going to benefit from that, especially because you've seen Marcus Williams kind of make some mistakes and recognition and that type of stuff. I think having Malcolm Jenkins is going to be a really big step up for the Saints.
0: Well, I think what you said is perfect, is Bell is expected to make a lot of money. Gets three years, 18. The Saints give a bigger contract to Malcolm Jenkins, and that right there should prove how much a locker room guy means to a team and how much a veteran leader means to a team. Like you said, Von Bell, fantastic, was a ball hawk, took the ball away, led the league, in forced fumbles last season. You want all of that. Great against the run. But you bring in a guy like Jenkins, who has been with the Saints before, has won two Super Bowls, is a veteran guy, a veteran guy with a big voice, might I add. Mm -hmm. That's worth every penny you paid him, regardless of how he plays on the field next year. You know what you're getting out of Malcolm Jenkins, right? Mm -hmm. There's no surprises. Uh, Over the next couple of years, Saints fans should be able to look game in and game out and know exactly what Jenkins is going to bring to the table. But talking about that safety spot, you have Jenkins, you have Gardner-Johnson, you have Williams. Um, and that Marcus Williams, and let's go ahead and throw PJ back there as well because that's a guy that I think will get a lot of time at safety. Is You have about three different guys that can play <laughs> corner and safety. I think Williams is the only guy that's really a true safety out of those yeah. four. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Williams, a lot of fans not happy with his play, saying, I don't know how much longer he'll be in the black and gold or we should look into getting rid of him. And to those fans, the thing that I would say, he's a ball hawk at safety. He's still got growing to do, but he has the highest pro football focus grade of any defender of his draft class hmm. in three years. And it's at 90.7. That's yeah. pretty good.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. Williams hit the, the flack that he gets. is just like, I mean, look what the saints had before Williams. And then you can come back to me to see what the saints have now with Williams. He's a guy that, Really, last year was the only guy that was getting interceptions for the Saints. So definitely, I think he's a guy that is obviously, I think, going to cost money when the Saints need to extend him. But that's at a position that the Saints really have um, have had struggles in the past. And he's came in here, and yes, he's had a few struggles, and obviously everyone's going to turn back to some big plays that he's given up. But for the most part, he's been really solid. Well, that's just another reason
0: that justifies bringing in Malcolm Jenkins, right? A guy who is known for his his coverage skills. You're able to mentor a young guy in Marcus Williams in that aspect, and then Jenkins is such a versatile threat, you're able to mentor guys like P.J. Williams and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And like I said, that's the reason. If anyone else wants to look and go, well, the Saints should have kept Von Bell, the reason wasn't that Malcolm Jenkins is far and above this better player than Von Bell. The reason is, you could make the argument they're probably about the same level in in different ways. Bell's better against the run. Jenkins is better against the pass. But like I said, the value that Jenkins holds in that locker room, and the Saints locker room has got so much praise over the last three, four seasons. Not just from, from us that are directly in the New Orleans market, but from national media saying it's one of the few locker rooms that they consider to be a true tight-knit family, right? And I think that's shown over some of the controversy that has happened over the last couple weeks, that the Saints are where they are. That's -hmm. why you bring Jenkins in. And this secondary is going to look so much different because of one signing. Mm -hmm. And you have to clap your hands and tip your cap to Mickey Loomis for making that happen and bringing Malcolm Jenkins back to New Orleans with all the experience he gained in those six years in
1: Philadelphia. No, yeah, I mean, I can't agree with you more. And the thing I think with what I was thinking, like before free agency was like, oh yeah, you got to bring back Von Bell. Well, no one knew that Malcolm Jenkins was going to be even on the market. Like He was supposed to be in Philly this year. And uh, the Saints end up, he ends up coming onto the market and Sean Payton said that was the worst mistake he ever made. And he's able to get his guy. And to me, I think it's an upgrade for everything that you said. And again, this Saints secondary, I, I, I think you're going to see some improvement there. And I think that's a big thing. Hopefully less big plays. Hopefully more turnovers. And that should really bode well for the Saints secondary. And before we get into our Who Nation fan questions, I do want to talk about the defensive line as we didn't talk about them yet. Now, they did re-sign David Onyemada, but they really didn't have any improvements outside of the team. They did add some depth players and they really didn't have any big losses. Do you think we need to add a, another defensive end? Do you think someone behind Marcus Davenport would be beneficial to the team? Do you think they should go out? A lot of people are saying they want Clowney or Everson Griffin, or would you get kind of um, a more depth piece, like a Ziggy type guy? Like, What's your opinion on that?
0: Well, I think first you have to start off and say everything that you just said with the Saints not making any big moves. The one thing as a group collectively at SI amongst us, the writers that we talked about in the offseason, Mm-hmm. was how well the Saints did at maintaining their guys, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that can't go unrecognized, especially in the season that we're about to have where you have a shorter offseason, shorter training camp, shorter preseason. The more guys that know your playbook have seen success with the team, the better. Uh, I think the Saints are loaded at defensive tackle. So, and now to go to your question with, with defensive ends – I think it makes a lot of sense to go after a defensive end, whether that's Griffin, whether that's Ziggy Anza. and yes, if he's able to come down on his price enough, Clowney. It makes a lot of sense, and that's not because Davenport has played poorly, it's just the fact that there's really no depth after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially after losing Noah Spence for the year, who you re-signed, and I actually really like Noah Spence and what he could have brought to the Saints as a guy, maybe on third downs, uh, maybe came in and been a rotational defensive lineman. But he we lose him for the season uh, to an injury. I think I believe it was an ACL injury uh, just yeah. working out in the off season. So when you don't really have depth, that's the big question: is do the Saints want to go and pay a guy like Clowney uh, just for the one year? One year. Right, And that's the one thing I've seen continue to pop up is Clowney's willing to take the one-year deal to play for a championship-caliber team to hit free agency again and and kind of use it as a prove-it deal and say, well, look, I can still get up here in sacks. Interesting stat about Clowney, though, is he's never recorded 10 or more sacks in a season, Mm -hmm. but he's regarded as this fantastic pass rusher. I know sacks aren't everything. Obviously, quarterback pressures, quarterback hits, how you... Uh, just affect the pocket in general. For Clowney, I think it actually makes less sense for the Saints to go get, opposed to getting a guy like Griffin, who's very versatile on the defensive line, or getting a guy like Ziggy Anza because it's only going to help your growth of Marcus Davenport. And I think Davenport made huge strides last year before the injury. Yeah. And I think because of all the different things he can bring to the team, including that massive size. Uh, that's where you really want to invest your future, so why would you halt that? And remember, the Saints gave up a first-round pick to go get Davenport. Yeah. Why would you halt that growth by bringing a guy like Clowney in? I know it's a Super Bowl or bust kind of a season, but I would much rather bring a guy like Everson Griffin in, uh, who's a little bit more versatile and can play a couple different positions on that defensive line for you as well, and also mentor a young guy like Davenport
1: completely agree with on a lot of that stuff because i actually was i did a film study on Jadeveon Clowney clowny Clowney obviously he's a really he's a physical player he's a player that kind of reminds me a little of davenport kind of that similar really physical player is going to win on his physicality and that technique is coming along slowly but surely and when you look at everson griffin he's a guy that's a lot more technical you could put him in a lot more different places and as you were saying and then also he can um help davenport in his progression and and that's a guy that I think the Saints maybe may fit a little better with the Saints and it may fit a little better with their checkbook too. And again, it's going to be interesting. I would be again, look, if the Saints went out and you heard, let's say later today and they signed Jadavion Clowney, I don't think anyone's against it. I mean, you're going to take that level of player. And for him, I think that when you're looking at teams, if you go want to go out, win a Super Bowl, if you want to play opposite Cameron Jordan, maybe it's an option, maybe it's not. But to me, it's just it's it's very very interesting looking at that situation. I think it's more likely that the Saints do get more of a depth piece. Maybe it's Everson Griffin. Maybe it's Ziggy who I think would cost even less than Griffin, who has been just kind of a depth piece these last few years. And uh, but he obviously has a ton of talent. So again, I think it is really interesting. And um, I wouldn't be like mad if they didn't add anybody. I think they do right now have enough depth to um hopefully have a solid season I think Davenport as you said made a lot of strides last season and if he's able to stay healthy I think sky's the limit for him and to really make that third year jump I think he can have a really big year and um it's definitely something to look at but um if the Saints didn't get anybody you still have Mario Edwards Jr. there you have um you have guys like uh, Trey Hendrickson there as well that could pick up the slack a little bit but again if it's a season-ending injury the Saints may want to go out and add a player
0: Remember, the Saints do have about $8 million in cap exactly. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the longer guys are sitting on the market, the more the Saints have the leverage. Exactly. So I'm okay with the Saints waiting it out. When it comes to the defensive tackle, I just want to touch on that really quick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You sign Onyemata, big money for David Onyemata. Rankins is coming off another year of a season-ending injury, but when he's playing, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. And then the amount of contribution you got from an undrafted rookie in shy Tuttle was incredible. Mm -hmm. And then you get Malcolm Brown, who I really thought played outstanding football defensive tackle spot. I would love to see a film study uh, by you on Malcolm Brown's season last (laughs) year (laughs) because he didn't, he didn't do anything spectacular but he filled holes, he did his job and the Saints got a lot of production uh, for not a whole lot of money. So the fact that you're bringing all four of those guys back that can play rotationally on the defensive line at the tackle spot that's probably the Saints strongest position going into 2020 is that they have the interior of their defensive line solid, sold and that's where you build. You build in and build you start in and build out. On the lines, I've always believed that you start on the offensive line with your center and build out, and on the defensive line you start with your tackles and build out. And I think the Saints have done a very good job on uh, both sides of the trenches.
1: No, yeah, definitely agree there. Especially with um, Malcolm Brown, what I wanted to say about him is that look, he's playing the one-tech position. I think he played it better than what Tyler Davidson was doing for the Saints before um, Brown was on the team. So I really like what he was he was able to do. And again, I think, like as you said, he was filling those holes really well, and that's an- another very unsung position. Definitely that workman's position where you're not going to get a ton of credit for it, but it's very, very important. So again, I-, I do think that the Saints' defensive tackle position is really solid. I agree with you. I think they have the- probably the most depth because I-, I again you have four really solid players, and uh, to me that is really big. So before we wrap up the episode, we will answer a few Who Nation fan questions. Here and our first question is from Saints fan since '83 on Twitter, and he asked, "Should the Saints add another defensive end or cornerback, or wait during the season to keep the cap for possible trades?"
0: Well, trades in the NFL, man, that doesn't happen a whole lot, especially mm-hmm. in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Saints have that eight million we talked about, and as I said, the longer they wait, the more leverage they're going to have, and I think it's a really odd off season. Uh, for a second wave of free agency. We typically see it every every free agency where you have your top guys come off the board, you wait a couple weeks, and everybody else signs. Yeah, We haven't really had that considering what's going on in the world and having a global pandemic. A lo- you don't have a lot of guys that are able to come in and work out, and uh, some of these coaches certainly want to see them on the field. And so it's put a halt on everything. So I think the Saints will end up getting somebody Believe it or not, I don't think the corner position is something that they have to go into free agency and get. Mm-hmm. I think defensive end would be a good one. Um, whether that is a guy like Griffin, whether they really just go all in on the Super Bowl this year and, and pay some money uh, to Jadavion Clowney, I think defensive ends the more likely of the two. But I I wouldn't say either way that, yes, this is definitely going to happen. I'd rather see a defensive end before the season starts, though.
1: No, yeah. I mean, I think when you're looking at possible trades, I think, look, everyone goes back to that Eli Apple trade and the Saints during the season, during that 2018 season, they had obviously a hole at cornerback with Ken Crawley not playing very good. And then they added Eli Apple, and then he played really good in that 2018 season, as you said earlier. And that was obviously a good trade for the Saints. A lot of people said that sured up the team really well. And then last year, they really didn't have a lot of cap because they were able to get a few guys in free agency. They got Jared Cook. They got uh, Malcolm Brown, as we were saying. And they didn't have a lot of cap in free agency. And a lot of people wanted them to go get a receiver because the Saints had um, Ted Ginn, who wasn't obviously producing that well. And then the same with Traquan Smith. So everyone wanted the Saints to get a receiver, whether it be A.J. Green or some other guys. And they just couldn't You had no cap. And it's as you said, it's so hard to get that trade done in the NFL. And I think that's kind of the give and take. Look, you could spend your money now. As you said, as time goes on, I think you're going to get a better and better deal. And I, I do think that the Saints are more likely to spend that money now if they can get the right guy. And again, I think that's something that's really big with Sean Payton, especially and Mickey Loomis. They're just looking to get the right guy. If they feel like they can get the right guy for the right price, whether it be a trade or in free agency monetarily, I think they're going to go do it. And again, that's just my opinion on it.
0: And we talked about locker room a little bit earlier, right? And yeah. people quickly forget in the NFL, this isn't Madden. You're not yeah. sitting at home making trades for for your franchise, or if you want to go back to like the dynasty mode in, in NCAA yeah. football, like you're not sitting there trying to build this dream roster because it just doesn't work that way. Superstars butt heads, non superstars butt heads. And we talked about the locker room chemistry for this team. It's about getting the right guy at the right deal. It's not about getting the very best player for the best deal. It's the best guy that's going to fit your system. And we talked about Malcolm Jenkins earlier being a leader, but look what the Saints did on the defensive side, right? Mm -hmm. Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins. You have three true leaders at every single spot of your defense. And that's huge. And I'm not saying the Saints need a leader. I'm saying they need a guy that uh, can come in contribute and be good in the locker room as well
1: and again during the season it's a little harder to obviously mesh with other players get in there especially with football um, because you've got to be able to play with your teammates you got to be able to work together here and again I think a cornerback like that's a position where you can kind of plug and play a little easier because um, it's either you're going to be playing man in zone but again there's a lot of communication that goes on there as well and uh, it will be very interesting to see but again I think that Um, I agree with you. It's going to be more likely that they get a free agent. I think it's just a little easier because you have some time to um, mesh with the other guys. And, uh, again, that's what I'm thinking there. Our next question was from Fady M on Twitter. And they asked, the Saints have a deep roster, but what positions could still use depth signings? And uh, they said cornerback or defensive end, excuse me, as possible options. Man, I I think we just touched on
0: that a little bit. I think think corner is actually in better shape than a lot of people think. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I think defensive end is one. I think the offensive line is really good as well. I know we've been talking defense, but mm-hmm. O-line depth is always important. Yeah. Um, honestly, if anything, I don't think it's on the defensive side. I think it's on the offensive side yeah. uh, with a receiver. Receiver, yeah. Um, and, and Obviously, you have training camp, and I think Timeline Montgomery can play just about anywhere you want him to. Yeah. But if there is a good deal on a receiver to come in, I think that's probably the spot, that and defensive end. Because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to just give you the same answer again. I think mm-hmm. defensive end is definitely a need. But wide receiver, I mean, if you go in a training camp and, and Traquan Smith is still not where you want him to be, no. yes, uh, you know Ty Montgomery can play a couple different spots. He could tr- actually be a number three receiver for you. I think unless there is just a breakout star at camp that you really think can come plug and play, uh, maybe you look at receiver. But they have a lot of young guys there as well. Uh, To your point, to the Mm -hmm. to the question is, man, this is the deepest Saints roster we've ever seen, Mm -hmm. and I'm just excited to get going.
1: No, yeah, no, this is you're definitely nitpicking at this point because I mean, like any uh, any team right now, I mean, you'd be happy to have the Saints roster and be fine. But uh, you said you wouldn't um cornerback I think I would be a little more likely to sign cornerback maybe than receiver again I, th- I think defensive end is a position that is still you have a lot of players out there that you can go out and sign and make a big impact so I think that's probably the one position I'd like them to fill but cornerback again if they can bring in a guy like Drake Kirkpatrick or like Claiborne or someone like that I think that could be really big for the team just because like they're more veteran type guys and Claiborne he was a guy that only started one game last year, and he was more of a depth guy, too. So if you could find a veteran that's kind of like, this is going to be a role. You're going to be backing up, really, the outside corner position. And um, if you're willing to do that, come on, and you, know, you could obviously be with us as we're trying to make a Super Bowl run. But uh, that would obviously add depth. Now, a lot of cornerbacks, they're not going to be happy about really not getting the chance to start. And uh, that, to me, would be a little bit of why the Saints probably won't get a cornerback, just because it's difficult to find a player... That would really want to be a depth guy, really, a, really a, just filling a role on your team, like a very small role, that third cornerback on the outside. So that's just kind of uh, my thoughts there. And then just one more quick question from Hudat fan nine forty one twenty three. And he asked for the defense. He said, would you rather sign Clowney Griffin or Marcus Golden from the Giants? So what's your thoughts there on that one? Like
0: you said earlier, Andrew, I don't think anyone would be complaining if Clowney ends up with New yeah. Orleans. I, I certainly would not, but I—I th- I said it earlier. I think Griffin is probably the best fit for New Orleans yeah. in terms of his style of play, what he can do, his versatility on the line, and also you're bringing in a veteran guy who has experience in some big games, a guy that can is a little bit bigger, can rush the passer, but certainly helps a lot um, in the run game as well. So for me, I think you can probably get Griffin for. Uh, the best bang for your buck out of the three that you named. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's the guy. But again, if the Saints were later today to announce that they have agreed to turn for Clowney, I don't think any of us would be complaining. Mm-hmm. I just think Griffin is the best fit, best bang for your buck, uh, most likely kind of a guy to happen.
1: No, yeah. I mean, I-, I think Griffin is probably the most likely. I also like Marcus Golden. He had 10 sacks last year with the Giants and uh, he's a guy that I'm really surprised he's still out there. Now, he does play the outside linebacker position, so I don't know if he'd be willing to dig his foot, or dig his hand in the the turf, excuse me, there, and uh, play the defensive end position. But look, he put up 10 sacks, and uh, he's a guy that he probably won't cost as much as Clowney, but he's a guy that's a little younger. Not a veteran, I'd say, like Griffin, but definitely is going to give you a ton of production, so watch out for him too. But again, I agree with you uh, with Griffin there. So I think with all that said, um, it is time to wrap up this podcast. Brendan, do you have anything else to say on our defense or any other topic?
0: I think the biggest thing is to go with to you, what you said. For the Saints to round out this roster, it's going to be really tough to bring in some good veteran locker room guys because a lot of those guys are at this point in their career are trying to get that last contract, get their last opportunity to be a starter in the league or they're ring-chasing. And even then, a lot of guys who are ring-chasing still want a prominent role on your team. Exactly. So when you're trying to fill very small holes, it can be very hard to convince someone to come spend their uh, last year or maybe one of their final seasons in the NFL with a team when they know they're not going to play because you have to invest in yourself to right. prolong your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're really only getting a couple snaps a game, It becomes a less attractive thing, but there are some guys that are willing to go, you know what, I'm at the end of my career, let me be a good locker room guy, let me try to get my ring. Those are the guys that the Saints are going to attract. Maybe not some of these bigger-name veteran guys that keep getting thrown out, so do keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, uh, Saints News Network on SI.com, go ahead and just go to SI.com forward slash NFL forward slash Saints uh, click the follow button in the top right corner. Get notifications anytime we uh, have a new article out or, or doing a live show. We do a lot of live shows as well. Uh, and We just love and appreciate every one of you guys, the support that you give us. Uh, just go ahead, follow us all. John, Bob, Carlo, Kyle, T, myself uh, at Saints News on Twitter and on Instagram. And then you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BT Boylan at B-T-B-O-Y-L-A-N. And Andrew, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you, and thank you so much for allowing me to be on the podcast.
1: No, Thank you so much for coming on. And um, if you guys don't know, I'm just starting out as an intern with Saints News, and they're doing a great, great stuff. I mean, whoever it is, Bre- uh, Brendan's doing great stuff, Bob's doing great stuff, John's doing great stuff, and uh, just a place for me to start learning about writing and stuff. I was, obviously, I've been doing this podcast for a while, but to also learn about writing, I mean, definitely... But really, guys, really great that you guys are doing there, and uh, I can't wait to work with you guys in the future and uh, get get all that stuff as well.
0: Absolutely, man. We're excited to have you.
1: All right, so guys, I think this this was now, I mean, we're now approaching on an hour here for this episode, but I think we got a lot of really great stuff here. Um, we talked a little bit about what Malcolm Jenkins said. Are we going to have a season? When is it going to be? And then we really just dove right into the defense, and that was really fun as well. But I think with all that said, I want to say thank you to Brendan one more time for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you again. Uh, like I said before, thanks for
0: having me. I uh, look forward to doing it again sometime soon. Thank you guys for listening. And
1: who dat?